Corinthians 6 is where we're at. 1 Corinthians 6. Let's read the first seven verses if we could. And the question is, um, kind of, or the statement, this is for his sake. What, what, what does it take for men to do right? <laughs> Interesting message. But, but here it is. You'll find out why I asked that when we look at it. It says, Dare any of you, having a, a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? Which kind of shows you that the saints are going out before God judges the world. Okay? Instead of through the tribulation. And if the world be judged by you. So guess who saints are? They're not people that have been prayed to in a coffin in the Vatican. Amen. That some miracle happened. Notice that the saints should be judged by you. He's speaking to the people at Corinth. They're having some pretty bad problems. And it says, Are ye unworthy to judge the smallest of matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? <laughs> Isn't it amazing you get to these contexts and we just looked at that, I believe it was Daniel chapter 4. And <clears throat> just, just on a number of different levels we see that we're judging angels. I used to think that Paul just wrote that and I didn't really know any other verses on it like I know now, but I see that that, that is actually something that's going to happen. It says, how much more the things that pertain to this life, and if ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. That's interesting. In other words, the least person in the church should know what great judgment is. These people, I don't know what to do. Um, in the church, the least esteemed person. Why would you do that? Because if you have a respecter of persons and a poor guy in the back that nobody cares for, he's going to be able to say, hey, that's wrong. And he's not going to be swayed by money or whatever it is. Okay, And so he says, and notice they're making judgments in the church. <laughs> I just have to say that out there because a lot of people think you're not supposed to judge these days. He says, verse 5, I speak to your shame. Is it so that there's not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren, but brother goeth to law with the brother, and that before the unbelievers. Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you, because ye go to law one with another. Why do ye not rather take wrong? Why do ye not rather yourself suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I need your help to be a blessing today. Without you, the service wouldn't matter. And with you, it's going to make all the difference. And I, I just pray that you would help us see things in your word. And God, that you would just bless the time now as we study. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. What does it take for a man to do right? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 12. Here's the answer. For, for if there be first a willing mind. It's not a question of what should I do. The question is, would you be willing to do it if God told you to do it? You see that? If there first be a willing mind, it is accepted according to a, that a man hath, and, and not according to that he hath not. And so, and so God wants people going to church with a willing mind. And this mind should be in any person that's saved. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. You know, before I was saved, I thought I knew everything. And after I was saved, I started getting questions in my mind. I started wondering, uh, everything I taught in my life, is this right? Is this wrong? How do I know this according to Scripture? And when men pretend to not know what is right, it's usually because they don't want to change. Isn't that true? 
And I think we saw that this morning when we looked at Romans. In Romans chapter 1 and verse, I think it was 21, it said that they, or 18, somewhere in there, that they hold the truth in unrighteousness. In other words, it might be profitable. It might be better for them if they play stupid. Right now we've got a society playing stupid that they don't know what the difference is between the genders. They don't know what the difference is between uh, dispensations in some of our churches. And there is this difference. And, and, and I'm just telling you today that people want to hold on to sin, and so they'll do like an Abel. Well, my brother, am I my brother's, or Cain, am I my brother's keeper? <laughs> and Abel's dead on the ground. And when judgment is showed them, they often harden their heart. And so what's told them, if you look over to Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7, Hebrews in chapter 3 and verse 7, again, what stops people? They need a willing mind. What can change people? It's, it's the Word of God. Hebrews chapter 3 down at verse 7 says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if you will hear His voice, harden not your hearts. And so those people in the wilderness that we looked at as Christ, the, the Passover, I think it was last week, they went in there because they had a hard heart. Amen? And somebody that's going to go to law does often have a hard heart. And some folks, after this, they still, look, they still will refuse to hear what's right. I don't know how many times I've dealt with people you used to shake your head. I've dealt with my parents for years. And you just hope that one day they have a willing mind to hear. And it's sad to say, sometimes it almost takes death to get people to, to start, you know, thinking what God wants. Um, you know, in Paul's day, if you look at Acts chapter 28, I want you to realize that it's not a whether they heard or not. It's whether they want to believe. And so, all things are done for the church's edification and growth and and, and, and anybody can get that if they want it. And, and what's really going to be sad about the judgment of some is say you had a church like this, so you could have taught all the people the gospel in town here, helped them out, and they didn't get it. The judgment is going to be worse on Judgment Day than if they didn't have it. If you look over at Acts chapter 28, verse 24, think of how many times people got a gospel track and rejected it here. How many times a personal witnesses went out and they rejected it. In verse 24, it says this. And some believe the things which are spoken, and some believe not. And so the fact of the matter is, is that people, that Paul was, was desiring to get saved, they both heard the same thing. And what did he teach them? Verse 23, he taught them both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning to evening. And verse 25, it says, When they agreed not among themselves that they departed after that Paul had spoken one word, well, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Go unto this people, and saying, Hearing, hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. You know, have you studied through... Isaiah and seen in Isaiah, Micaiah, stop that. Is seen in Isaiah where he he says, "Who will go for us?" And Isaiah says, "Here am I." And this is the the context of what happened. They're not hearing when he went, 
And oftentimes when you preach the gospel and you teach the word of God, there might not be a lot of people, but God didn't call you to a lot of people. He called you to be faithful. He called you to do what you can personally do. And when you get to heaven, that's all you're going to be judged for. And if you remember you're doing those things before God, you're doing it for His sake. And it just, it gets you the right attitude. It's a shame that a man who has received God's grace and deserves hell and cannot extend grace to another person. That's where we're at in this context. In the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, somebody's received the grace of God. They're, they're believers. But they can't extend the same grace to somebody else. And there's another reason why. Or a man claims to be saved and doesn't act like it. God should make a difference in people's lives. And He should change them. This, I can't explain how I've been changed. I remember the first years that I was saved. I'd memorize two or three scriptures a day, besides listening to sermons. Because why? I wanted to know what God said, and I was sick and tired of the opinion of men. Now let's get what God says. And, and an amazing thing is, is that you could have Paul the Apostle tell you what God said, and they didn't believe. You could have Jesus show up, and they don't believe Him. And the fact of the matter is, is it all matters if they're willing to receive it. So we got some truth about making judgments today. And uh, so let's just run through these and be done. Maybe we'll get out of here in time. Look back over at our text. The first verse right there, that's 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 6. It says, dare any, of you dare any of you having a matter against another go to law before the unjust. He's not talking about it's going to the Jew. They're, they're, they're going to maybe even a Gentile court. Okay. So the first thing I see is we must learn to deal with keeping our words and lust under control. Because why do they have a problem? They can't keep their word or lust under control. So, I mean, we all have to learn it. We have to learn, we'll just say this, learn to keep word. Remember the qualification for Paul going into the ministry? Is it 1 Timothy 1.15 that God counted him faithful, putting him into the Ministry. If you want to amount to something for God, the main thing you need is to be faithful. I need to, I'm glad. I heard last night I was talking to a missionary that came through, and we were on the phone for a half an hour or so, and, and he says, there's one thing everybody says about you. He says you're faithful. I said that I did what I was supposed to do. I'm going to be faithful where God put me. I'm not stop serving God because some person in the church don't want to serve God. I'm going to keep preaching here, there, anywhere I can, and witnessing to people, telling people how to get saved. Look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. <coughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse 27. The Bible says this. Excuse me. Paul said this. Well, verse 26, he said, says, uh, well, 25. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. So there's going to be a reward. Paul said he's going for a crown. Okay, Verse 26, he says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth in the air. I mean, this is real. There is really rewards for serving God. You're required to be faithful and, and have a willing heart to receive His word. And Paul said this, 
But I keep my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. If you're a walking offense to people around you, it's hard for them to hear the gospel. I'm going to give you somebody who is this today. It's Kent Hovind. Kent Hovind went from somebody that couldn't keep his body into subjection to doing something that, that the world could call him on so everybody could look at him and see he made a mess of his life. And now he's followed up doctrinally. And if he could have just kept his body under subjection, we have one of the strongest witnesses for the truth of the Word of God and the existence of, of a, I mean, for all our children to see. He could explain, I think better than anybody, like Ken Ham, the, how the, through creation and, and the difference between science and Bible-believing Christianity and put it all together on creation and could scientifically talk about it. But he thought it would be good to go tell people how not to pay taxes. So they got him. And if he could have just controlled that baby, he would have ended up with a divorce and, and all the problems associated with that. And I've heard some people say his son stole this ministry. I don't know whatever it is. The fact of the matter is he's not fit for it anymore because he made a mess. And he did so because he wasn't faithful and being about God's word. And if you're going to be... Look, we're going to have to make judgments in this life. And the truth of the matter is, is we, we have to be doing it for God's sake. Okay? The whole thought is, am I living my life in a way that pleases God so when people look at me, they'll say, I want what you got. And this is spiritual teaching. This is something we need in the church today. It's, it's the reason churches fall apart is because we don't have people doing what Paul did, getting their body to subject. The second thing I see is this. Go back over to our text, 1 Corinthians 6. In verse 2 it says, Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged to you, what a what a text. The Bible calls it, I mean, you can preach 15 messages on this. You're a saint, you're gonna judge the world, and, and you're gonna uh, you should be able to make judgments right now, just out of that one verse. So you're to know the right thing to do. The second thing is, you should know what's right. Now, how you use it is another thing altogether. I don't know. I mean, I remember those early days of Christianity. Down in front of the Roman Catholic Church, hollering out Mark, Mark, Mark chapter 7. <laughs> I just love that verse. Well hath Isaiah prophesied that you hypocrites. As it is written, as people honoreth me with their hearts, but their with their mouth, but their hearts are far from. And there it was, full well you rejected a commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. And I think a lot of people in this life like to play that they don't know what to do. And what you're doing is supposed to be making judgments to benefit the Lord. Look over at Proverbs chapter 1 for a minute. Proverbs chapter 1. You say, I thought you weren't supposed to judge. I don't know how we keep getting on this text, but yes, you're supposed to judge. Did you know that God gave his word so you could make the right judgment? Solomon says it right here. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. To know wisdom. Why did Solomon write the book of Proverbs? To know wisdom and instruction. To perceive the words of understanding. To receive instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity. 
So you've got God's judgment on something. Look at the next thing. To give to the, some lead to the simple and to the young man knowledge and discretion. You know what discretion is? The ability to critically judge. You can look at something and critically make a judgment. And so Paul says this, you should know what's right. We looked at it last week. He that is spiritual judgeth all things. How come you don't know what's the right thing to do? Now, it might not be comfortable, but you know what the right thing is to do. Well, look back at verse 3. Verse 3 says, And you, you know ye not that we shall judge the angels, and how much more the, that the pertain to this life, things that pertain to this life. You're always going to have to judge. I don't want to be in a world where people don't make judgments. Stop! Oh, Why'd you do that? It's a red light. You're going to kill us. Right, Rebecca? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Why are you doing that? I don't want to get killed. I'm with you in the car. I remember one time I was riding with my wife. I'm not trying to pick on her, but we were going down the road, and I was asleep, and I woke up, and we're driving right out of semi. I couldn't even get a word out of my mouth. I just grabbed the car like this. And she went, boom. I was a little worried. She was. She knew she needed to get over, but she made a judgment. And so we can say, well, yeah, that's a small thing. What about things in your life right now? I did it to make a point. Why do people say you don't make a judgment? You know why? They want to keep the idols. You know, well, it's okay if they have a little idol, idol over there. You know, if that guy lost money <laughs> or whatever it is, yet you're going to judge. The Bible says, and we looked at it last week, and just go back, just remind yourself, 1 Corinthians 2.15, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things. And it says that we shall judge the angels. Go over to Daniel chapter 7 for a minute. <laughs> I might have been telling you Daniel 4, Daniel 4, it might have been actual Daniel chapter 7 here. Let's see if we can get it. Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 I have here. Yeah, it is. Daniel 7, verse 9, it says, And I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and his hair of his head was like pure wool. You mean, that's Revelation 1, okay? There it is. His throne was like a fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. And a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousands upon thousands ministered unto him, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were opened. And they just stopped there. It was like, yep, see, it's the judgment seat of Christ. And that was on the thing. Look at verse 11. And I beheld because of the voice of the great, the great words which, which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning Okay, so we know that this happens at the end of the tribulation. Look at else it says in verse 13, 13, or 12. As concerning the rest of the... You wanted to know a long time ago about Ezekiel 1. Does anybody know what a beast wore as a cherub? I think this represents the cherubs that get judged right there at, before the millennial reign. And as I've been reading through it, I don't see a lot of people putting that out there. And, and it just, so it looks like to me that there's a judgment of angels on this thing. But, but God says that the saints are going to do it. 
This is our first Corinthians text. That the saints shall judge angels. And this is it right here because he's an angel of light. Okay? And, and so it actually is in the Bible. And I, I didn't know it all those years. Look over at Ezekiel chapter 28 for a minute. <coughs> Ezekiel 28. And verse 14. I did an entire message on this. We need a lot more proofs than this. Ezekiel chapter 28 down at verse 14. Well, at verse 11, it's talking about the word of the Lord coming upon unto me saying. So we're talking about Ezekiel. And that he, the gods came and telling them. Look at verse 13. We know that Tyrus is the devil. It says in the text, it says, Thou hast been and eaten the garden of God. Well, that hasn't been there a long time, since innocence almost. I mean, I don't know how long it stayed after that. At least after conscience, it's gone. Okay? So there you go dispensationally for you. And it tells what he had on him. But verse 14, Thou art the anointed cherub that... That, was, that, that means he was on top of the mercy seat. He was above, just like the tabernacle on earth, there's anointed cherub that covereth over that. In heaven it was set as that too. And it says, Thou wast on the holy mountain of God, and thou hast walked up and down in the midst of stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day until I was created, until iniquity was found in thee. And so there it is. We know that the devil's a cherub. Another name for it is beast. I could cross-reference that back to Ezekiel chapter 1. And I think we got the beast right there. You go ahead and make your own judgment. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to be your friend if you don't agree with me. But I, I could go through a bunch of proofs on this, and I think that's enough on that. So you always have to judge. You're going to judge angels, okay? And it does seem like doctrinally that takes place at the beginning of the, the um, right before the millennial reign. All right, back over at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I don't know if you've seen that before. Maybe you had first time, but there it is. 1 Corinthians 6. I didn't think it was actually in the Bible. <laughs> Somebody asked me about it. So that's not in the Bible. I just had studied it at that time, and now I've studied a little bit on that. It looks like that to me. All right, verse 4. It says, If, ye, if then ye have judgment of things pertaining to this light, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. The least esteemed man can make good judgment. And I would say that is because of pride. <laughs> I like it when somebody says, well, I understand something about dispensations. I haven't studied as many years as Maxine, you know why? Because I understand some things about dispensations. I still learn some more, and I have a lot to learn. But I can look at the Bible. I'm not messed up doctrinally. I've just learned a little bit more facts here and there as I read through. And you just keep putting it together. And you get this huge, beautiful picture on that thing. And you know what? You should then know what judgment is. Okay? You should know. If you're the least esteemed, you can find it in the Bible. People say, oh, I don't know. Adultery's wrong. It's wrong. Okay? But the least esteemed man should make good judgment. All right? <clears throat> I could do Micah 3.1. Um, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. Chapter 3, look at uh, um, verse 1. 
And I said, Here I pray you, O heads of Jacob, and ye princes of the house of Israel, is it not for, for you to know judgment? How much more that judgment shall begin at the house of God? Micah 3.1 We should know judgment. should be able to make it. Somebody comes to me and says they're trusting water. I say, you're probably not saved. Somebody says, I said a prayer. I say, what do you trust in? I'm not being judgmental. I'm trying to show the judgment of God and how dare me be, you know, tell them something that's not right and encourage them in the wrong way. And so there it is. You should know judgment. And, and we did that you have a conscience and an intellect. And I think that's good enough on that. Good point five. Point five comes from verse five. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 5. <coughs> it says this. It says, um, I speak to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren? It's a shame not to know judgment. You say, what do I mean? Our president should know why our country's failing today. If he doesn't, he's not fit to be in the office. Our vice president should know how to keep the border secure, not to let illegals in and kill our border patrol and the people of this country, giving them the, our, our veterans' money and their uh, doctors so they can come in here and get what they want. And they're coming from all over the world. Because we got idiots in our leadership. I say not I'm not political. This is a fact of the matter. This is where we're at. It's a shame that people don't know a difference of how to get to heaven. You can sit through two different messages. One guy's teaching work salvation. The other guy's teaching you how to be saved by grace through faith by trust in Christ. And you can't, you can't get along. You can't say, well, you're saved by works, and then the next day you're saved by grace. Are you saved by grace or works? You should know discretion. Look at Matthew chapter 15 for a minute. Matthew chapter 15. <laughs> From the least unto the greatest we should know judgment. Matthew chapter 15, look at verse 12. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 12. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou not that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? <laughs> And he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall in the ditch. You have to know judgment. You have to say what's right. You have to put forth that. And if they get offended, they got offended. So what? God's still right. It's better to know the right. I, I'd rather a doctor come to me and say, You know, you better deal with your high blood pressure. And I say, Oh, okay. You better deal with that sin problem. What's that? Well, pride. I do need to deal with it. Amen. Just keep that thing down. Amen. I'm just telling you, people get offended, though. Notice the attitude of somebody that's not believing the word is to get offended. Doesn't mean that the judgment's not supposed to be taught. They went to Jesus and said, you're offending the people. You know what happens when you preach the gospel? They get offended. I don't know how many times I sold the... Here's the thing. I just want to speak it in love now. Sometimes I used to speak it with vengeance. Now I speak it in love. And that's what we're told to do. Well, point six. We're, we're getting there. Almost done. Maxine, you might make it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, praise God. All right. No problem. First, First Corinthians chapter 6. I do enjoy a good Bible study, and I'm glad that it's in there, because I need this. 
1 Corinthians chapter 6, down at verse 6, it says this, But brother goeth the law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. In other words, don't be so carnal that you have to make lost people make judgments for you. The same people that say judge not are judging you when you said it. Amen? These guys are so carnal, they have to go down and have uh, the sheriff make a decision for them. You know? And he's saying, you guys are judging the angels. You, you've been told to make judgments at the house of God. And you can't make a judgment right now? What's wrong with you? I mean, it's almost like, wake up! It's time for you to make good judgment. Look over at uh, John 16. I don't know about you, but I was glad that God showed one day before I ever left the Roman Catholic Church. He explained John 16 to me. I held John 6 like uh, just in my fist so I could beat up, probably say people, <laughs> and say, this is your problem. Okay? And then when God explained it to me, I was like, oh, is that stupid? <laughs> <laughs> I made a judgment on John 6. And, and, and having learned it, I can show other people it, and hopefully they will repent of the heresy called the Mass. <laughs> John chapter 16, verse 13. I think anybody can know it. You just got to want to know God's will. That's what makes the difference. If you go to the Bible and try to make it say what you want, you're going to find it. <laughs> But if you go to the Bible and just let the Bible be the Bible, you can have the truth and you can really know it. Okay? So John chapter 16, verse 13 says this, Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. So you say, I need to know it yet. Maybe you just need a walk that goes with the spirit for a while. He'll give you the truth. I remember sitting in churches that don't believe what we believed, and sometimes God would give me more in a service like that than I got in another church so I could combat the guy in the pulpit. I went to a church one time in northern Minnesota, and he said the kingdom of heaven was the kingdom of God, and that parables did speak doctrine, and I had about 30 scriptures to combat him, and I'd never had such a good Bible study to show the difference between kingdom of heaven and kingdom of God, and we got that thing done. He says, anybody have a question? And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I didn't do it. And you know why I didn't do it? Because I thought, you know what? If there is a lost person in here, they're just going to see two people having a fight and they're going to walk out lost. And there's a time and place. There's, it was after I learned to be gracious a little bit. But I tell you what, I ran into that same guy and then he wanted to know why and I told him and he blew a gasket. What would have happened if he did that in front of 50 people that were in the church. I mean, it's not that big of a church, but I didn't want to. I didn't want me versus him or the Bible versus him. He he taught what he taught, and he's going to stand before God for that. But in the text it says he's going to guide into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And look at this. He will what? Show you things to come. How about that? You want to know the truth about dispensations and the truth? God will show it to you. What's it going to do? It's going to take a little walk in the Bible and learning, right? And we know Isaiah 8.20 says to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not into this, according to this word, it's because there's no light in them. But, but Psalms 119, I like Psalms 119, all on the word of God. Psalms 119, look at 105, says this, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path always. 
What does the light do? It shows you the edge of the road so you don't make shipwreck, you don't fall off, you don't hurt your vessel. And so we ought to not be so carnal that we can't make judgment or have lost people make judgment. So how do I put that in there? Carnal men pretend not to know and ask worldly men to make judgment. I'll give you one. If you let him go, he's, you're no friend to Caesar. Who did that? Somebody that's supposed to know judgment. It was the Pharisees. And they used it against Jesus. <laughs> the same thing. They brought, they couldn't beat him knowing the Bible because they were wrong, and so they used a worldly man to do it. You know what happens? Same thing in the church. Paul's dealing with the same thing. That's not the way it's supposed to be, guys. Judgment in the, begins at the house of God, and we know what's right and wrong, and, and the least esteemed man in the church is supposed to know. <coughs> and so which brings us to the last point. Not being able to make the right decision is weakness. Not making the right decision is a weakness. Now look, you might not know everything. You might not got it all down. But did you remember what the Bible says? It first takes a willing mind. And once that willing mind comes in, you have to say, okay. I tell, if, if I don't like it, I'll say, God, I hate this judgment. <laughs> but you said it, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to live by it, and just suffer it to be this way. And that's what it is. You have to, have to just let it go that way. Look at Proverbs 19. Proverbs chapter 19. It kind of just brings us down to the right where we started. You need to know it. The conclusion is you need to know what's right and do it. Proverbs chapter 19, look at down at verse 2. And the Bible says, Also that the soul be without knowledge, it is not good. <laughs> I think, honestly, I think it's why our churches are dumbing down people. I think it's why the schools are dumbing down people. I think it's why our society's pushing this thing. If you say something, you're somehow a racist or some type of bad person because you know what is right and wrong. And they don't want you to say you know what's right. And the people that do, they mock. Well, I think he's a little boy. Okay, you can't know that. He's trans. <laughs> um, he's got the right faculties. I mean, it's that simple. I mean, nobody would have thought that was wisdom back 20 years ago. I don't know what kind of bull I got. I think he's trans. Go out there and find out. <laughs> you, you know, I'm just telling you. I don't know. Is it a hen or is it a rooster? Hmm, this is difficult. Flunk. You know, I don't know how we got here. I, I don't know how we got to the place where people can't say, hey, I can see in the Bible salvation is by grace through faith. I had somebody tell me not too long ago that it was pharisaical to say you know you're going to heaven. That's what the Pharisees were doing. In front of his family. And I looked at him and I said, no, the Pharisee was somebody that was establishing their righteousness 
and not trusting Christ's righteousness. And that's the difference. If you know what you do is right, you, you better just do it. I don't care how many people are on your side. This is one thing I told the Lord. I came out of a pagan religion that was called Christianity, Roman Catholicism. And all those people, when my dad was dying, could give him no hope how to get to heaven. He was an oil, oil he was anointed, he, he, he had an apostolic pardon, he was a good man. And I knew deep down inside he was a sinner, and somehow he needed that sin to get forgiven. Our church said he needed to go to confession. I knew he didn't make it. And one day, I, God pointed his finger at me and says, you're not going to make it neither, buddy. You need to trust me. And I trusted God, and my life changed. I believe he trusted the Lord before the end, and that's what, as salvation's through Christ. But I had, you had to make a judgment. You know, maybe some people aren't getting saved because they don't judge themselves sinners. And then they don't judge that they need to change their life. And then they don't judge that Jesus is the only way to do it. And somehow they think their atonement's going to get them through it. But the only way that's right is to go by God's judgment. To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to the word, it's because there's no light in Pray, Father in heaven, Lord, I have the best I can to put forth this text accurately. Pray that you'd help us, give us understanding concerning these things, and uh, help us make right judgments in our life. And pray that you would let God's people be discouraged today, that they get encouraged through the Word of God. Thank you for those that came. Thank you for being a good Savior to us and going to that cross and paying for all our sin, that we can know we're on our way to heaven. We got such good news to tell the world. Pray that you'd help us do that, not be ashamed of you. Or, or the gospel, but just knowing it's the power of God and the salvation. Pray, strengthen your people in Jesus' name.